0: Imagine a velvety green meadow dappled with sunlight. On the horizon, you can just make out a cluster of pagodas perched on a beautiful cliff.
1: Windborn outlander,
0: as you set off on your journey once again, you must remember that the journey itself has meaning. And you, a tall anime traveler with a flowing cape and a long sword, are walking through an open-world role-playing game called Genshin Impact it makes you feel like you're inside a highly produced anime movie set in an idealized and timeless Chinese world. The landscapes are lush and sparkling, and you are one of its attractive, scantily clad characters, exploring it all.
1: Yet buried in the depths of this world lies smoldering remains, a warning to those that dare trespass. That throne in the sky is not reserved for
0: you. Playing it feels very metaverse, And some reviewers have called Genshin Impact, gaming perfection.
1: None will escape the flames. See for yourself.
0: And that's not just because it is visually stunning, but because it's technically flawless too. There's no glitchy music or characters who freeze while this game is buffering on your phone. And one of the big surprises is where it came from, China. That's unusual not just because the vast majority of games like this come out of the U.S. or Japan, but because China's central government has shown every sign of hating video games. For more than a decade, the Chinese leadership has placed all kinds of restrictions on gaming, from which ones can be sold, to how long you can play them, to the messages players can send each other. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about the world of cyber and intelligence. Today, a geopolitical story set in an anime fantasy land. We look at Genshin Impact and whether the game's massive global appeal can peacefully coexist with China's Communist Party ideology. Back in the 1980s, Chinese leader Deng Xiaoping famously said China would modernize by creating socialism with Chinese characteristics. So now, the big question is, can gaming with Chinese characteristics make it big, too? Stay with us.
2: If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily. From recorded future news, it serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox.
1: Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she, and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. <laughs>
0: Genshin Impact is set in an anime world called Teyvat. It's all waterfalls, rushing rivers, and big, lush plants that, if you whack them in just the right way, reveal hidden treasure. It's the kind of game that everyone can play, from aficionados to, well, this little person. I am in a
3: city that has lots of beautiful flowers in it.
0: That's Naomi King. She's five, and she loves Genshin Impact. Partly because there are lots of characters in the game that look like princesses, which she loves.
3: It's beautiful and, and a lovely town, and it's very sunny there.
0: It's Right now, it's nighttime. Her dad, Austin King, is also an avid player, and he's been teaching her the finer points of the game. So you, you don't want to stand in the fire,
4: and right now... Ningguang, the character she's using, has a shield that she can throw up around herself. And so she's throwing up the shield so that the goblins' arrows don't hit her.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to be stealth and be be sneaky, really yeah. sneaky.
4: She's been learning about stealth in video games. That's her l- latest case. Yeah, still and
0: this, sneaky. This, this <laughs> stealth, yeah, doing <laughs> sneaky. Naomi's job as a player, aside from doing sneaky, is this. She brings together a team of doe-eyed anime characters, leverage all their unique skills and magical powers, and then try to reunite two very attractive twins, a brother and a sister, who have been separated by circumstance.
4: So she's hiding behind trees right now to be extra careful that the goblins... In
0: addition to being Naomi's dad, Austin is also the features editor at Screen Rant and host of a podcast called Dragon Quest FM. This sort of role-playing fantasy game is one of his favorite things. And he's been playing Genshin.
4: Since the day it came out. (laughs) Really? Not every day, but I've played it ever ever since it came out.
0: um, Genshin's developer, Hoyoverse, Uh, used to be called MiHoYo, keeps people coming back by updating the game every six weeks, like clockwork. And every time, there are new kingdoms to explore, new storylines, new characters. And they make every update an event. A lot of games get updated, but not with this kind of regularity or fanfare. It's like a movie premiere.
4: So there's an addicting quality to it, and and this is how Genshin Impact makes the money. Is that
0: HoYoVerse entices players with a way to level up faster that seems an awful lot like good old-fashioned gambling. You give HoYoVerse real money, and in return, you get to pull a little lever and
3: I I got a sword. Another
0: sword.
4: Sword. Sword.
3: Another sword. sword. sword.
4: Oh my goodness. Sword. sword.
3: But I can try a few more times.
0: If you don't get what you want, you just give Hoyoverse more money and spin again. Like a slot machine, that element of chance can be <laughs> we've
4: got We've got a few more to do a few more wishes here. Oh! Got
3: a new character! She has purple hair and purple is my favorite color.
0: This gotcha model means that Genshin Impact breaks in about a billion dollars every six months. And last month, it reportedly passed the $3 billion mark in mobile revenue. That makes it more successful than old powerhouse favorites like Fortnite and Pokemon Go. And the truth is, this kind of massive response doesn't usually happen to Chinese games. They tend to have mostly domestic audiences
5: in the doggy dragon world of gaming. It's definitely one of the largest Chinese games that we've seen. In sort of the modern history. Um,
0: Daniel Ahmed is a senior analyst at Nico Partners, a research firm covering the video gaming industry. And he says
5: that Genshin Impact
0: is the largest Chinese game in modern history.
5: It's not just found success in China, which is what most Chinese games would do, but it's found success globally. Uh, among players in the US and Japan and South Korea, the sheer scale that's been able to achieve is you know, unlike any other game.
0: Part of the appeal, aside from the constant updating of characters and storylines, is that you can play Genshin seamlessly across platforms. It feels as good on an iPhone as it does on PlayStation, something most games can't do. Let's play!
1: Time for takeoff!
0: So at first blush, this all seems like a great success story from an unlikely source, but there's a subtext. This is about more than developing China's gaming industry. It's about what makes a game uniquely Chinese in the first place. Beijing officials see Genshin not just as another popular video game. They see it as a vehicle to export something bigger, a virtuous Chinese way of life. So in this idealized Chinese world, you can kill the dragon or your opponent, but you can't watch them bleed. There may be suggestions of romance. Characters who go on adventures who clearly like each other more than just friends. But those relationships are strictly heterosexual. Same-sex couples are not an option. In fact, Chinese game developers signed a pledge to ban content that depicts what they call sissy men or gay love. As a general matter, games, especially immersive, world-building games, where you get to set the rules, are a perfect vehicle for China's geopolitical aspirations. Genshin Impact allows them to dress up Chinese communist values, like working for the collective good, in princess clothes. And who could possibly resist that? To ensure all this happens the way the government wants it to, The process of getting a video game approved is notoriously complicated in China. Daniel Ahmed again.
5: Because the regulators are looking at every single aspect of the game to make sure there's nothing in there that goes against those content regulations.
0: And the game that emerges often is your game, but with Chinese characteristics. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that regulators micromanage, to make sure nothing emerges that might be seen as being against Communist Party ideals. Some things they micromanage out loud, rules that the government makes clear. But there's a whole other set of unspoken ones that can be much harder to navigate. This is Click Here, and we'll be right back. Politics has never been stranger, or more online. Which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. The fact that regulators in China keep a tight rein on language in their video games isn't a huge surprise. They don't have a free press, and they don't brook criticism of the CCP either. But the trick for China is doing all that without making a popular game, well, unpopular. And they've managed to do that by keeping their censorship gray and a little bit self-enforcing.
5: So there's essentially um, a list of of sensitive words, which the regulators ask developers to avoid in the games.
0: So curse words, for example. Okay, most parents would approve of banning those, but it goes a little further than that. Like, there was this Animal Crossing incident. A Hong Kong pro-democracy activist named Joshua Wong was playing Animal Crossing and began decorating his own environment. Then he added a banner to his little metaverse reading, Free Hong Kong, Revolution Now. He shared a screenshot of it on Twitter. And not long after, the game disappeared from Taobao, China's version of eBay. Because of that one little banner, China banned the game outright. Chinese players can't even buy it in the grey market anymore. For game developers, it was a shot across the bow. Basically, it was saying, if your game allows free expression, it's not allowed in China. That self-censorship is central to China's regulatory approach. Jeff Knockel is a researcher at the Monk School at the University of Toronto, where he focuses on internet freedom.
1: Specifically, in my case, uh, censorship and uh, Chinese censorship in particular.
0: And he said it's so hard to know what will run afoul of the regulators. Knockle decided to do a study of it. He and his colleagues analyzed more than 200 games and found 180,000 blacklisted words and phrases. They looked at video games specifically simply because there were so many of them to study.
1: And it allows you to ask questions that we weren't really able to answer uh, looking at other industry segments. You know, like if, you, if you look at like chat apps, for instance, there's generally only a, a few popular chat apps at any given time. You know, then we wanted to do some more like comparative analysis. Like, like we really wanted to get down to this question of like, do all apps in China censor the same things? Do they, do they not? And, you know, due to the huge diversity of the number of games that are popular at any time, this, this allowed us an opportunity to really explore that question.
0: And what he found was that game developers in China have taken to creating their own running list of unacceptable words. They actually share it with their competitors. The authorities themselves offer a little beyond a sort of starter kit, and then the developers do the rest. And that has allowed Beijing to rely on the very Chinese concept of something Nako calls pocket crimes.
1: So a, a pocket crime, it's this idea that the laws are so vague in terms of what internet operators, including you know, if you're operating a game all over the internet, are required to censor. It's just so vague that it, its you could imagine this just large pocket that you could fit whatever you want into it.
0: Knockle says he found that the most common censored items were what he calls the Chinese F-words.
1: There's like uh, Falun Gong, which is the controversial uh, spiritual movement there. Uh, right. that, that one's in almost every game. You'll see something related to Falun, Falun Gong, <laughs> Falun Dothra. Right, and, th- and then there's sort of like the more sort of like, it's, it doesn't start with an F in, in Chinese, but... You know, like, like what what we would call the F word um, in English, um, like that 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 was also censored uh, a lot as well.
0: So you have the Chinese F words, and then you have the big D's, discretion, and I guess deniability, right?
1: Right. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: okay. In a game like Genshin Impact, China can restrict free speech by policing the chat function. Type the word Tibet in the chat, and the word appears just as a series of asterisks. Automatically. This kind of censorship is so common that YouTubers have taken to warning their subscribers about freedom of expression in the world of princesses and Teifat.
1: Make sure nothing misleading, (laughs) nothing sexist, nothing scams, nothing about suggestive, nothing offensive, nothing that would be too political. Just be careful with that because there's a lot of keywords that triggers it. Sometimes it's quite random too.
0: As much as China wants to control the language and the content of the game, they're also very focused on how much kids can play it. Daniel Ahmed again.
5: It's always been a concern for the government going back even 20 years ago. When they first started to ban console games, for example, in, the, in 2000, the, the concern back then was, you know, we don't want children to become addicted to video games. That was the official party line. It's always been the party line.
0: So Genshin, arguably one of the most addicting games ever, has presented officials with a problem. But they've found a way to control that too. Last August,
3: from today, children in China will only be allowed to play online video games
0: for three, three hours a week and only on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, Tian Wang. Any parent who has a kid who games too much should probably take note. China limits gaming to three times a week just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights for one hour. And thanks to a system that allows the party to keep close tabs on what its youth is doing online the restrictions are actually
5: enforceable. In China, you have to log in with your ID number, your real name, and then it checks that against a database, which is provided by the Ministry of Public Security. And so that database will ensure that this person is over 18, or if they're under 18, then it'll apply the restrictions to that account.
0: So you know China has limited gaming for kids. Uh, Austin, do do you think it's ironic that it's put out this incredibly addictive game while internally they're not letting their own people play it?
4: Uh, yes, I, I mean, I, I think so. I think it, I think it's pretty ironic. I mean, especially, I mean, Genshin Impact, it was like one of the biggest games in the world last year, and it's, uh, it doesn't show any signs of slowing down right now in early 2022. So I think it's one of those things that, like, yeah, it is kind of odd that they're limiting limiting something that has now – like, gotten a lot of praise, probably, for their, for their country.
3: And now I'm going to go over here because I think I see something I can fight.
0: Austin King, who's based in suburban Florida, has come up with a less draconian solution to limit Naomi's gaming. She, she had just gotten
4: in, in trouble, um, for not being a very good listener <laughs> uh, earlier in the week and uh, had gotten some several warnings about it so uh, that's kind of like a default thing to sometimes take away so she, she lost the video game privileges for a week
3: mm. <laughs> I would play it like every day if I didn't have it okay. oh there's a slime and two goblins and a bug I don't know what it is
0: at that moment, Naomi was flying up a mountain, surrounded by goblins, completely immersed in a world unlike her own. And I gotta say, it looked pretty fun. This is Click Here. Hey,
2: hey man, how are you? Good to see you? Yeah. I work with you. Yeah.
0: So I'm standing in the middle of the South Hall at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. And this is the opening of RSA, a cybersecurity conference that has basically been on hiatus for two years because of COVID. And now tens of thousands of cybersecurity professionals are descending on San Francisco.
5: As I was flying
0: into San Francisco airport, I was seeing all these billboards by Apple and
5: by Meta and by all these other companies saying, oh, privacy is our sort of selling point. And I was stunned. I was stunned that security is a selling point. It's a hugely positive thing.
0: That's Nama Bendov.
5: I'm a senior strategy and M&A manager at
0: Microsoft Security. And she's just one of the thousands of cybersecurity professionals coming to the conference this week. You know, people are getting their badges, workers are putting finishing touches on booths, and we walked around just to see what's on people's minds.
5: I'm Bruce Schneier. I'm a security technologist. I work at the intersection of security, technology, and people. The Internet's actually safe. We work in security, so we see the bad things, and they, they're magnified for us. The Internet's safe now. I use it every day. You use it every day. When was the last time a bad thing happened to you. My name is
1: Robert Melton. I am an attorney from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I work on privacy and security matters. I, no, I try not to use apps because I have concerns about the safety of the internet. I assume that I could hack everything, and if I could hack it, then there's much smarter people out there in the world than me.
0: Uh, hi, my name is Danielle Acuna. I'm with Netasia, and I'm uh, in the Chicago area. But Netacea is a UK-based company and we do bot mitigation and management. I don't think the internet is ever going to be safe. And the reason why I say that is because there's always smart people with malice intent that are going to find ways to take things that don't belong to them. I haven't been targeted online yet um, because of the tools I have. One of the ways to learn about tools to keep you safe is going to RSA conference here and finding other ones that are in your area. Here are the big cyber and intelligence stories from the past week. FBI Director Christopher Wray said the Bureau was worried about Russian recklessness in cyberspace and said that the U.S. should brace for destructive attacks that could go beyond simple hacks.
2: We've seen the Russian government taking specific preparatory steps towards potential destructive attacks, both here and abroad. And we're racing out to potential targets to warn them about the looming threats, giving them technical indicators that they can use to protect themselves, and we're moving rapidly to disrupt Russian activity.
0: Speaking to a Boston College cyber conference, Ray said that concerns over the deployment of wiper malware and other damaging attacks has prompted the FBI to launch counter operations earlier in the process than they might have in the past. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had a one-on-one interview with Wired Magazine a couple of weeks ago, and the magazine has just released it. He spoke, among other things, about the role technology has played in helping Ukraine resist the Russian military invasion. Among other things, Zelensky called on big tech to do more to isolate Russia. He thanked Elon Musk for his Starlink and said to be effective, modern leaders have to learn to appeal to the distracted social media generation. And finally, General Paul Nakasone, the head of the U.S. military's Cyber Command, told Sky News that the hacking unit had conducted offensive cyber operations to support Ukraine against the Russian invasion. Nakasone confirmed that Cyber Command had been doing offensive, defensive, and information operations against Russia. He declined to provide any additional details. Cyber Command has hinted as much in the past, saying it was helping Ukraine in cyberspace, both in the run-up to the Russian invasion and after it began. And one more thing. This week, we decided we wanted to thank you for listening in a more tangible way. So we have a little contest. A few years ago, Chinese regulators took a real dislike to a popular music gaming app that was produced out of Taiwan. And they were particularly upset about a particular song made by the game's musical director. They said it had a secret message. Tell us what that secret message is, and you can be a winner. There's a longer version of the song on our podcast landing page at clickhireshow.com. Send us a voicemail from your phone telling us how you figured it out, and we may put you in the show, and also send you a special Click Here swag bag. The address is click here at therecord.media. Today's episode was produced by Sean Powers and Will Jarvis, and it was edited by Karen Duffin and Lou Okowski. There was fact-checking from Darren Ancrum, and Ben Levingston composed our theme, and we had additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Click Here is a production of the record by Recorded Future, and we want to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. And you can connect with us at clickhireshow.com. I'm Dina Temple-Raston. We'll be back on Tuesday.
2: Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to therecord.media.